Bebe. <laughs> All right, we're in uh, the Gospel of Luke this morning, guys. The Gospel of Luke is continuing on. Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 to 38 this morning. And a couple points, unbelief and faith. And so Luke 1.18, and it got me to thinking, like, have you ever heard something that sounds totally impossible, so you're an instant skeptic? I think many of us have. Like, we hear, I heard that someone ate 75 hot dogs and broke the world record. Now it seems impossible. There's no way one human being can do that until you watch the video, and you get grossed out, and you see it with your own eyes. (laughs) In Croatia, 2021, a man voluntarily held his breath underwater for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. Sounds impossible. There's no way. It's unbelievable until you watch the video. (laughs) And so then the video helps you see reality. But what if there's no video? What if you hear something from the Lord and you can't yet see it with your own eyes? Will you believe it? And I love what Jesus said about that. In John 20, 29, Jesus said, talking to Thomas. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And so when God gives us a promise, will we have faith even though we don't yet know the outcome? Will we believe and take the steps on that path that God is paving for us? Or will we remain immobile, filled with doubt, unbelief, and skepticism? We will see the contrast between unbelief and faith today as we continue in the book, you know, as we look at Zacharias and we look at Mary, actually. Last week, we looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth and their commitment to the Lord. It was amazing. They had faith. They loved God's ordinances. They followed them, and they served God. These two were believers. But something happened at the temple where Zacharias was chosen to meet with the Lord. A messenger from God, an angel, Angel Gabriel, he shows up and he tells Zacharias something that causes him to question the Lord. And there were instant repercussions to Zacharias' temporary lapse of faith. Now, before we go pointing fingers at the faithful man, Zacharias, who loved the Lord and was dedicated to serving him, let's first look at him and relate. Because we are all human and we all have lapses of faith at points in our lives. We all lack trusting God at times and attempt to figure things out without Him. No one in this building or in this world is faultless and free of failure. No one. We're constant students of the Word of God and the ways of the Lord. So let's pray, and then we'll get into Luke chapter 1, continue on this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this time that we get to spend together, Lord, just looking at what your word says, Lord, to observe it, interpret it, and apply it to our lives, Lord. And we just thank you for just going verse by verse, Lord, and let your word do the talking. In Jesus' name, amen. So, verses 18 to 20 of Luke chapter 1 says, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And so we see Zacharias' unbelief and the consequences. And remember, Gabriel just gave Zacharias the message that, hey, you and Elizabeth are going to have a son. You name him John. 
And here is Zacharias' response. Like, how do, how do you know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. You know, husbands, don't ever say that about your wife. Um, <laughs> she's well advanced in years. But it's a fair point, right? In, but instead of looking at God's message and believing and thinking, wow, Lord, thank you, I believe. Zacharias instead was thinking about himself and Elizabeth and how they were too old. And that's the thing, you guys, the world douses us with doubts, and if we live solely by what we see, instead of trusting in God's future promises for us, we're going to waver. The enemy seeks to amplify our doubts to, place, to the place of unbelief. And our flesh feeds into that unbelief. It's not that Zacharias was all of a sudden an unbeliever and forsook the faith or anything. He just questioned the angel because it was unthinkable to have a child when you're that old in age. You know, sometimes God gives us answers that we've been asking about, and we question those answers. (laughs) Or we wonder, really, Lord? We ask in faith, but then doubt when he confirms. We sometimes think, well, I have just, I've just about given up asking that. I'm not going to ask that anymore. But if God answers, our job is to believe the answers and immediately trust him. It's kind of like the Red Sea didn't part on its own, right? It wasn't that, that Moses did a miracle. God did the miracle. Moses was just obedient to reach out his staff. Zacharias wanted some further assurance, though. Other than the message from the angel Gabriel, he wanted a sign He was thinking that him and his wife's physical limitations would hinder God's will. And this sounds ridiculous to us, because we we see the whole story, but in the moment, we sometimes question, well, how in the world are you going to accomplish this in my life, God? So he writes, I am the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. So Gabriel had to remind Zacharias that he was sent from heaven to give this message. And this wasn't a this-might-happen-message. You know, this was a, this promise will be fulfilled message. Yet Zacharias doubted. He, he wanted assurance. Zacharias said, I'm an old man. And the angel said, well, I'm Gabriel. So it's like, which held more weight? Gabriel was giving Zacharias some great news, for he and his wife had been seeking the Lord to have a child, and they were to the point of giving up, probably past the point. Most think that. And then this happens, but Zacharias, he, he fears and he questions. And, and Gabriel said, I'm from God, and these are glad tidings. This is good news. And I look at the end of verse 20. He says, my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. So God's timing is perfect and will be fulfilled. If, if there were no Zacharias and Elizabeth, there'd be no John, the baptizer. God uses his children to get his will fulfilled and further his kingdom. So here are the repercussions for Zacharias uh, wavering rather than immediately believing. It says, but behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak. Faith is blessed, unbelief is judged. So Zacharias was struck mute. Now, I, don't wanna, I wanna take this at face value and not try to soften the reality of God's instant, you reap what you sow. This is a reality. God doesn't turn a blind eye and say, oh, go ahead, that's fine, it's a fine, go ahead and sin. No, you see this, like Zacharias' unbelief didn't take God's promise away, though. That's the good news. But what it did do was prevent Zacharias from, ha- from enjoying it. He, the promise would still be fulfilled, but Zacharias wouldn't have a heart of joy through it. I mean, he should have been instantly joyful, right? Elated, praising God, like, yes, Lord, God's promises will come to pass, but are we enjoying the time in between the promise given and the promise being fulfilled? Are you enjoying the journey right now? 
So many people are so future-focused that they're miserable right now. They're not living in the present. They're like, well, one day, one day, when I do this, when I do this, when I retire, when, well, when I finally be able to get that other job, when I finally have... No, like right now. Like, are we having joy in the journey right now? We know our destination, but are we enjoying the journey? And it's like, I mean, he was a priest in the temple serving the Lord. This was amazing. This was an awesome, like, moment. And he's like, but are you sure? <laughs> so what we see is Zacharias is speechless. In verse 20 and 21 says, but behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. 21, and the people waited for Zacharias, right, and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. So Zacharias was speechless. There was a certain straightforward custom where, this is what happened, the priest was to walk out of the temple after his time with the Lord, provided he had not been struck dead by God, right? So Zacharias was taking uh, an unusually long time. And the people were tripping out, freaking out, probably thinking, he was, was he taken out by God? Is he, you know, is he, was he in sin? Like, what's going on? The people were like freaking, right? Why hasn't he come out of the temple yet? Okay, so normally when the incense priest, that's what he's called, the incense priest, would come out of the front of the temple, the other two priests met him there, and the incense priest would raise his hand and bless the people with a couple verses. How many of us know that the greatest blessing that we can give or give our children is the word of the Lord spoken over them, spoken over us? And this is the scripture they would actually say from the top of the temple, Numbers 6, 24 to 26, which says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So then the people who were gathered there heard these verses, right, that the, from the priest. The crowd would actually respond to the priest by saying, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then trumpets would be blown and a different priest would hit a cymbal. The Levites would sing a psalm. Now, this usually was a beautiful and powerful moment. This was like an epic, amazing moment. But this particular time was much different. It says, but when he came out, he could not speak. So, okay, Zacharias came out, so God didn't take him out. He's alive. But Zacharias came out of the temple on top of the stairs and just stood there, physically unable to speak these verses from Numbers. Zacharias had been there in Jerusalem for a few days, and after this, he actually went to Judea. So, so here's the thing, like Aaron's priesthood will now shortly be silenced and set aside to make a way for the bringing of a better hope. And Zacharias made signs to the people with his hands, trying to communicate. He couldn't say these verses and numbers. But what this actually speaks of is the weakness of the Levitical priesthood in comparison with Christ's priesthood and the dispensation of the gospel. See, the Old Testament speaks in signs and imparts to us heavenly things but they're imperfect and uncertain. It beckons to us, but remains speechless in a sense. It's the gospel that articulately speaks to us and gives us clear view of that which the Old Testament was seen through, a glass darkly, which is what the word says. So Zacharias cannot speak. He returns to his family where he will see a promise fulfilled before his eyes. His wife, Elizabeth, has a child. In verse 24, Continues and says, now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived 
and she herself, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So Elizabeth's joy, his wife Elizabeth conceived. What a dream come true for her and her, this godly couple. God answered their past prayers. They had a kid at a very old age. God answers prayers. He fulfills promises. Even with Zacharias' temporary unbelief, God's promises still came to pass. God's will still happened. She hid herself five months. Now, there's different ideas as to why Elizabeth hid for five months. One, some think she hid while pregnant because she didn't want to be shamed uh, for being pregnant at such an old age. There was a stigma about the, culturally about that. Others believe that she hid because she didn't want to boast because the Lord had opened her womb and blessed her abundantly. She didn't want to brag about it. Still others believe that she went in private to take care of herself more efficiently and effectively. But most agree that when she hid herself, she spent time in prayer praising God. After all, she, she was a godly woman. Elizabeth would say that the Lord has dealt with me graciously in giving her a child. Elizabeth recognizes her reproach. It was taken away for that society thought if a woman was barren, she must be really bad. She must be really sinful, which was not the case with Elizabeth, obviously. Elizabeth recognizes that God was gracious with her. She had looked upon, yeah, he had looked upon her with favor. And guys, if you overly care about what others think of you, <laughs> following the Lord will be secondary. Following the Lord is primary, though, and pleasing him is what we're called to do. He can use those who are committed to him. You know, God can use those who aren't half-hearted. God can use those who put him first and care about his kingdom the most. So Zacharias had unbelief. He was struck mute. But the promise and the prayer request from the past would actually still come to pass. What this shows us is to take God at his word. Trust him when he answers you. Know that his timing is perfect. We'll, we'll see, too, in the next couple of weeks when Zacharias finally gets back his voice, you know, he instantly praises God, and we see no more lapses of faith from him. You know, so in other words, he clearly learned his lesson. The chasing, chastening of the Lord is actually a beautiful thing because God knows what we need. He knows how to chasten us so that we will get it, so that the next time we face that thing, unbelief won't be there. We'll have full faith in his promises. He clearly learned his lesson. So we see a lapse of faith, but now we're going to see faith in action. And it starts with the announcement of the birth of Jesus in verse 26. It says in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee and Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, Gabriel, he was a hardworking angel, right? He had to make announcement to Zacharias, strike him mute, and then he arrived in the village of Galilee. It says, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this is the first mention of Nazareth in the Bible. It was actually an unremarkable town. It was a dirty town. It had a bad reputation. What Nazareth did have going for it, it was a few miles away from a major road. It had one well, you know, water supply in the center of the city. But the people in Judah, they hated people from Nazareth. This was a nothing town. That's how they saw it. But Jesus, which is interesting, would forever be identified with this place, with this nothing town, with this dirty city. Jesus was repeatedly called Jesus of Nazareth. Remember what Nathaniel asked? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Being sarcastic, of course, this shows the humble beginnings of Jesus. He wasn't afraid to identify with the lowly. 
He didn't think he was better than everyone or anyone. He actually went to the sinners and he gave them truth. He didn't say, you get away from me, unclean, unclean, like the religious leaders. There's no question that Mary was a virgin and the betrothal was not broken. God worked a miracle for this to come to pass. Mary was a Jew, a descendant of David. She was engaged to a carpenter from Nazareth named Joseph, and they were both poor. They were both poor, humble beginnings. God is pleased with faith more than material things, more than money, more than wealth. Faith. And so continuing on, so Gabriel meets Mary in verse 28. Now it says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I mean, faithful Mary didn't expect for an angel to come to tell her she was highly favored, that the Lord was with her, that she was blessed. I mean, wow, think about it, though. Yet these are all true. Think about this. Practically, personally, this is all true for believers. We're favored, we're, he's with us, and we're blessed. It's like, wow, it's mind-blowing. Undeserving, it's mind-blowing. Now, the fact that Mary was troubled when she saw the angel and heard these things shows her humility. She didn't say, it's about time. Like, I've been, you know, I've been faithful, I've been dedicated, I deserve for this to happen. Now, finally, here I am. You know, she, you know, she didn't say, I was serving the Lord so I could get something out of it. She didn't say that. No, it's not how it went down. She was humble. But I love it, and like immediately the focus shifts to Jesus. And I love it because Mary was focused on the Lord. Mary and Joseph were a, such a godly couple. They put the Lord above all else. And that's why they were chosen. In verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest, the throne of his father, David. He will be the Messiah prophesied to David, who has the authority to rule over Israel. And Gabriel quoted from Isaiah 7:14, and Mary knew the scriptures regarding the Messiah being born. She had faith and was a woman of the word. Mary wasn't chosen for this awesome responsibility because she was well-known, rich, had her life perfectly together. No. Mary was chosen because she had faith in God, was dedicated to him, and loved him. And so Mary had a question. She had a, a valid question. In verse 34, it goes on, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived, also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. So Mary had a question. How can I be pregnant when I have not known a man? Pretty important, a logical question, right? She actually asked uh, the same question that Zacharias asked in Luke 1.18. Like, how can, we, how can I have a child? How can we have a child? But here's the difference. Zacharias' question was asked in unbelief. Her question was asked in amazing faith. 
And here's the contra- uh, contrast, unbelief and faith. Like Zacharias was questioning the word of the Lord. Mary was simply asking information on the proceedings. <laughs> Zacharias was a question of doubt. Mary had a question of inquiry. Zacharias was a faithful man, a priest, and his wife was faithful as well. But he had a moment of failure, and he paid for it temporarily. And the promise God gave him was not negated. It still came to pass. God is faithful. I mean, just think about, think for a minute how overwhelming this would be for a person. Not only will you have a child by the Holy Spirit, he will be the Messiah, the Savior, and he will reign. I mean, Mary was human. She wasn't like, okay, cool. Like, it, it was not a little thing. She loved God. She had faith. But there were, this was no small calling. This was no small calling. Faith is the element that keeps our hearts settled when circumstances seem overwhelming. Faith is what keeps our hearts settled settled. Now, I don't want to project feelings onto Mary like she felt like this or like that, but she did have a question, and she did need encouragement, just like every single follower of the Lord. Gabriel said, the power of the highest will overshadow you, meaning, overshadow means to cover with a cloud, meaning God's Shekinah glory. The cloud represented the presence of God, meaning the same power Moses and the others in the Old Testament had was the same power that Mary had access to. So Gabriel was giving Mary some major assurance, reminding her of God's presence and that he would take care of it. Like, do you believe that today? Do I believe that today? That God will take care of you and your future. God will take care of you and your family. God has got you. He's got me. God opened Elizabeth's womb to have a child, and God allowed Mary to get pregnant. And, and to believe verse 37 is truly to have faith. This verse isn't a question. It is an emphatic statement that all believers should know and walk in and believe. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I love that. It's so simple. Here's faith right here in one sentence. This was referring to what was said actually by the angel to Abraham in Genesis 18.14 when Sarai was doubting. It was a statement, 18.14, Genesis, is anything too hard for the Lord? Remember Sarai laughed in unbelief. Gabriel said this statement from times past to strengthen Mary's faith. The word of God is what strengthens our faith. She would have known this scripture. Gabriel was encouraging Mary to trust God, know know that he can do the miraculous. He has and he will. I believe we should take this verse seriously and enter into the adventure of genuinely trusting God. Realize that God is above logic. Here's logic. Here's God. Way up. He's above logic and surpasses human understanding. Not one person on this earth created by God knows more than God. The only wisdom we have is from God, period. So here's Mary's response of faith. I love this. It could have gone either way, right? Like, is she the right one for the job? Yes. Verse 38 shows us that she is the right one chosen. Mary said in verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. She didn't say, behold, the queen of the Lord. Like she, did, she was humble, right? Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary agreed. She was a servant of the Lord. She didn't see herself in high esteem, which is why God used her so greatly. God can use a humble and contrite heart, the Bible says, right? He can't use those who are haughty or prideful. That will stop any witness or any, uh, any light <laughs> to shine on those around you. 
You know, she would not argue with God. She had faith. Her response is amazing. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you say, God. How many times do we go like, did you, I know what you said, but do I really have to do that? But here's, this is Mary's affirmation of faith. She heard, she heeded. Do you get how much faith Mary needed to agree with God on this? This was no small thing. It was, it was huge. I mean, Mary's pregnancy would seem suspicious. This culture required a death penalty for adultery. Now, of course, this was all the Lord's leading and miraculous work, but others would doubt, be angry, see only the surface level. They would look at her and judge and say, oh, this and that and this, let's gossip all day. You know, this took real faith on Mary's part, not just in word, but in responsive action. That's why she was chosen. Faith only counts when it's active. You can have faith, but if it's not active, it doesn't matter. This was real faith that was active and alive. God gives each one of us a measure of faith. And uh, sadly, a lot of people's faith just stays within them, in their mind. But it's not seen, it's not evident when you look at their lives. Unbelief occurs when we're self-focused or focused on the external. Faith happens when we are God-focused, right? When we're honed in on the eternal. It, it can be that simple. If we get down to the core of the matter, which is the heart, the center of all that we are, like, are we walking by sight or are we walking by faith? And I'm, I'm not saying that to you, just to you. Like, we're all in the same boat because we all have had lapses of faith when we're making decisions based on what we see rather than based on God's promises. Because God's promises come fulfilled later, and we're like, well, what I see makes me nervous, but God's like, well, take a step of faith anyway. I'm, we're going to get past that, and there's this future promise, so just go. And, and those are hard times. They're difficult times. They're not easy. If they were easy, everyone would have faith. But like, we're all faithful together all the time, 100%. But it's not like that. It's like, are we fully trusting God when we don't see every future detail? Or are we de derailed in our faith because we're scared? God gives us that measure of faith. It's up to us to use and utilize it. It's up to us. Are you going to obey? Am I going to obey? When you give the perfect tool for the right job, you use it because it will be the tool that will finish the project. God has given us the tool of faith to use, to trust him and believe every promise that he has and will give. So in other words, don't worry. Worship him. Don't fret, you know, don't be scared, don't fear. Just have faith. God has got you. If he's given you a promise, you know 100% this is from God, there's no reason to hesitate. The only reason that you hesitate is fear, unbelief, skepticism. But if you said it's going to happen, everyone's going to think you're crazy, by the way, just so you know that. You know, like, when, when you, you church plan, people think you're crazy. Like, you, you haven't made here. Like, you're a full-time pastor. You got to build a minister 40 to 60 hours a week. You get to go to different countries and do all this stuff. You haven't made it. Why would you leave? You're crazy. It looks crazy, I know. Trust me, I even know that. It looks crazy. But if it's a calling from God, if it's a promise from Him, it doesn't look crazy. It looks, it looks logical. He's above logic, right? And so He'll put those things on your heart, and others may judge you and may say, well, this or with that. Well, I think you should... It matters what God wants, not what other people think. And so don't worry, worship, don't fret, have faith, don't give in to anxiety. Trust your almighty God. He's got you. He knows what we need. And I just want to leave you again with this verse, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. We believe that every single day, every single morning, <laughs> reminding ourselves of this verse alone. God, nothing is impossible. Man, God will use us greatly. Keep a humble heart, contrite spirit. 
right? Put others before yourself. And then put God first always in all things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will follow.